What's up, Hello. everyone? Family. That's we right. Back. Welcome back. Welcome back to, to MC, MC Unpacked. Unpacked. <laughs> I feel like we need a jingle. MC Unpacked. I feel like Unpacked. we need to say it at the same time chicka, every chicka, time. MC Unpacked. <laughs> MC good. stands for Movement Church. That's right. Unpacked meaning we're unpacking. It could be Anything. a sermon series that we're currently working through as a church. We could be unpacking uh, the 10 things I love about Megan. It could oh, be do a myriad of things that we're unpacking. Uh, no MC does not mean Megan and Carrie. <laughs> Many people sure, think so. Sure. It does not mean that. <laughs> uh, it stands for movement church, which is where my wife and I, this is also my first wife Yep. and she's only my only wife, but she's my first wife. And, uh, and she and I pastor an amazing church Right here in Orange County, California, we are nestled. Everyone say nestled. Wow. We nestled. are nestled right in between Los Angeles and San Diego, right up on the coast. That's right. So if you're visiting the area, if you live in the area, we'd love to invite you to come and check out the Movement Church. We meet uh, every Sunday, 9 every and Sunday. 10 a.m. Not 9 and 10. You're going to send 11, them at the wrong 9, time. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 a.m. <laughs> 9 and 11 a.m., you can check us out in the links below That's with our right. website and information, hey, theocmovement.com. And if you like the, the podcast, you like listening. Which you do, or you do, wouldn't of be Of course you do. Yeah. Do us a favor and subscribe. Um, just just hit the button, subscribe, hit the thumbs up if you like it. And uh, that just helps us out. It helps spread the word to other people about what's going on. And we'll tell you more after a commercial break <laughs> Except, from our sponsors. Oh, that's right. LaCroix, naturally essence, just like you, <laughs> Megan. Oh, wow. And today I'm drinking Pamplemousse, <laughs> also know. known as grapefruit. We're really bidding for some sponsorship from LaCroix here. So uh, I feel like I took a sip and it it's spilled all, all down my shirt. <laughs> Kesara, whatever will be, will be. <laughs> the future's not ours to see. Sing it, Megan. Kesara, If you could tell me who originally sang that song without Googling. <clears throat> without, well, how are you going to test that? Our producer will give you $3,000. Wow. So let us right know. Now. You can email us at Katie and Jerry uh, at they have no clue who sings that song either.com. And uh, we'll dive into our content <laughs> today, but not let's yet. Let's do it. Okay, Quickly, let's before not. we do that, one of the things that we do as a family, uh, anytime we have dinner or we hang out, is we uh, do what we call happy crappies. If that makes you feel a little cringy, you could say highs and lows, peaks and pits. The our, point is. Our daughter has started saying happy saddies. That's, that's weird. kind of that weird. That makes me hyper cringy. Yeah. <laughs> our daughter's not three, by the way. No. She's 14. I think so. she says it when she works with kids. Because they shouldn't sense. say crappy. So if you're a kid and you're watching, don't say crappy. Yeah, don't do it. Crappy is a crappy word to use, so don't say that. <laughs> uh, but the whole point of that is, like, it, we, at, at the dinner table we do this. It just kind of gets conversation going. Yeah. Um, instead of, like, how was your day? Fine. We ask, well, okay, let's talk about happy and crappies. What What was the high point of the day? What was the low point of the day? Or it depends on how often we're connecting. It could be the high point of the week, the month, or whatever. But anyways, all that to say. Uh, give me like your happy crappies for the last couple of days. Oh, we're doing that right now. Right now. For everyone. Right now. Okay, let me think. Um, it's not that You put hard. me on the spot. I put you on the spot. Okay. You can keep singing while I think. It's great. When I was just a little boy, I asked my mother, what will I be? <laughs> will I be handsome? Will I be I'm rich? Just gonna let you sing. Here's what she said to me. I mean, my happy has to be Que sera, sera, yep. whatever All right, that's will good. be. Um, my crappy. Doris I know. Day, by the way. Doris I, Day is good the original job. singer of that song. Just stick that one. Stick, stick that away. <laughs> don't keep saying that. <laughs> Please don't. Let's just keep on going with I've got a new crappy. <laughs> I 
Please don't. No, please don't define or explain. No one needs to hear that. I was gonna. We're gonna get an E next to our podcast name for explicit because of Megan Robinson, aka Diva Pastor. Gosh, I was gonna say put that one away for a trivia. Great, uh, yeah, something Do like know, that. Do you know? So back in the days of AOL, which sixty uh, percent <laughs> of you don't know what that is because you are too young, and thirty percent of you don't know what that is because you're too old. But that's not important. Uh, back in the days of AOL Instant Messenger, which is how I learned to type. Yeah, um, it's kind of where text messaging kind of it, it, it evolved from. You had to choose a screen name, aka username. And Megan didn't have one. And I was like, I'm putting down Diva Pastor because you are a diva. She's like, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, that stuck. It, it did your stick. username, your handle for almost everything. And I had a license plate, a personalized license oh, plate I gotta tell the story. made for her that said Diva Pastor, D-V-A-P-S-T-R. Right. That's right. And I and guarantee you I'm going to tell the story. No, better, no, no. I ahead. can tell it. It's so good. One day I was driving with my kids in the car. Um, my youngest was like two, and then I had a seven-year-old. And we're driving down the street, and this car flies up next to me. And they're honking their horn, honking their horn. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Like, is something wrong? Is one of the tires going flat? Like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. And so I'm immediately, like, trying to drive and pay attention to the car that's pulling up right beside me and the car was full of these like young guys and they were like are you diva porn star and i was like pastor pastor and they freaked out they threw like a hail mary slammed on the brakes megan kept driving so no it does not stand for diva porn star even though she has very inappropriate jokes for this podcast i do diva pastor wow okay that that was a a random story, but it was good. Makes fun. So good. tell us your happy crappies. Okay. Um, I think my crappy, we we had a great day yesterday. So mm. a great chill day. Mondays tend to be our um, Saturday. Our Saturday. We just chill and um, try to just be refreshed. And so we had a really good day. day. That's probably a happy. But um, then we went to do a workout. And I was really excited to get into my workout. And um, I just hadn't done this one in a while. I was going to do some Pilates yoga. And um, immediately, like two minutes in, doing a move that I do all the time, I tweaked my back so badly. And it it hurt like crazy. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to get up off the floor. And um, and then that just completely ruined my workout yesterday. So I was feeling really defeated. It sucks. On our next podcast, 10 ways to know that you're getting older. I know. And that is... There's my, so many other things I could tell you about one, getting two, older. That and, was just one. And three. But uh, yeah. anyways, I'll see. Those are good. Happy, yeah. happies. I mean, happy was probably we had a great... Good chill day. Great chill day. Sabbath. Got refreshed. Sabbath, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, low key. Don't hate. We binge watched the Divergent series. We did. It's been good. We're halfway through the third, so we didn't finish it, did we? No. Spoiler <gasps> alert. Uh, we won't tell you anything about it. Yep. Uh, anyways, uh, my happy crappies. I um, currently am training. Uh, at the time of this recording, it is April fourth, two thousand and twenty-three, <laughs> and I am currently capsule? training for a Spartan race. Uh, that is going to be up in the mountains, not too far from here, like an elevation of 6,500, 7,000 mm-hmm. feet. Terrified. Um, six and a half mile run, race. I've never done more than like two and a half, three miles. <laughs> this has 25 obstacles in it that range from climbing across monkey bars for an eternity, crawling under barbed wire for an eternity, like climbing a rope, throwing spears, jumping flaming pits of fire. Awesome. 
and um, scared, but I'm doing this with four buddies and we're training together and I'm loving it. Like these guys, we're keeping each other accountable, texting every day. Are you, hey, log your workout, log your cardio, log your calories. And it's been great. Yeah. So I've been like on it. I'm right now like three and a half weeks in and I'm feeling like, let's go. Awesome. Still got a lot of work to do. You're doing a great got job. Got a lot of weight to lose in the midsection. But other than that, I'm feeling <laughs> It's really another good. thing that happens when you get older. That is mm-hmm. another thing. <clears throat> Eat a lot of grilled chicken, <laughs> drinking a lot of pamplemousse. Uh, crappies. Um, as a result of training, my body feels like it's dying. So I can't feel uh, my calf muscles, my spleen, my earlobe, okay. or much else in between my forehead and my Man. toes. I'm sorry. That is crappy. Yeah. Have you ever had like a sore spleen? That's what I feel like I have right now. I don't it's know like, if I can going, tell you so where please, my spleen please stop is. Working I can guess. My, I'm hurting. How does your spleen that's what get you affected? Sp- that's what you help me. I got the black <laughs> lung pop. You've I, never heard your spleen talk. What is happening right now? Hey, okay, President Harry. If you do talk. another burpee, we, I'm gonna die. We've spent almost ten minutes like randomly talking about things. Well, that concludes our show tonight. <laughs> today whatever i hope you're still with us yeah <clears throat> and if you're not i mean yeah cool sorry. don't like our page <laughs> <laughs> we'll recommend another great podcast to listen to there's lots oh okay we should probably talk about some real stuff okay yeah, we should. and we're gonna make like a kind of a, a, a major transition here because we're gonna go yeah from we kind are of some levity some some uh funny spleen talk to just uh, some heavy stuff that's happening uh, oh our dog literally. This is the worst timing ever for this very moment. <laughs> you gotta pause. Well, the craziness yeah. continues. There's never a dull moment when never we record this podcast. Never a dull podcast. moment in the MC Unpacked <laughs> episodes. And it's either surrounding people doing work outside of my house or dogs being dumb in my house. Or but throwing up. A dog throwing up. <laughs> what in the world? I almost lost I almost, all that I ate today. I was dry heaving. I had to walk <laughs> away. Stop talking about it right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. We are we are so long into this podcast and we don't even we haven't even talked about anything significant. No, no we haven't said anything significant. So we should transition into probably, that right yeah. now, probably. Yeah, yeah. It, and listen, it, the the craziness that is happening here is a great representation of life. It's a great picture of life because life you have all of the beautiful things, all of the just yep. gnarly things and our friend has a name crazy. for that. Our friend yeah. Mike Foster, shout out Mike Foster. He calls it brutiful. Yeah, it is that's both true. beautiful and it's brutal. Yeah. And uh, in fact, right now, um, I, I can't even, it's, it's so crazy as I get a little bit older. Currently at the time of this recording, I'm 26. Megan is 43. Oh my gosh. And I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. You are 40, such a liar. 42. And uh, as, as my parents were getting older and older, they was always freaking out about the everything. Every yeah. election, every, it's like, well, Jesus is definitely coming back. And there's a book written, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. It's and, too late to change your mind. <clears throat> Who's singing now? The That's sun right. has come. Anyways, so all I'd say now, I, I get it because I'm getting older and I see the consequences of the craziness now more than I did when I was younger. When I was younger, it was more naive. Not yeah. in a condescending way, I just didn't know. Or I just, I, I still had some innocence and now I see things and it's just crazy. We're two years away from an election cycle and it's even more ramped up now than it was back yeah, in 2020. It really is. And I mean, today at the time yeah. of this recording, the for the first time in history, a United States president was arrested. It's crazy. I mean, and uh, and then not only that, but this this past week, 
on March 27th, there was another mass shooting in Nashville. And I'm sure you know uh, a lot of the details about it, but it's just tragic. It is it is terrifying. It absolutely it is. It is saddening. Man, I mean, there's not there's not light yet at the end of that tunnel because no. we're still grieving and and we're not even directly impacted no we're not directly impacted but i just every i'm so tired of opening up my phone and right. seeing just the news of another mass shooting yeah Be every it gets me the same way every single time i, I don't get numb to it i'm like what yeah. in the world when is this going to change yeah it's just overwhelming and just so disheartening yeah it's heartbreaking well yeah and for those of you that maybe have been living under a rock um <laughs> uh, a woman named audrey hale uh, went into covenant christian school in nashville tennessee and killed six individuals three of them were adults three of them were nine-year-olds um the releases that we're getting now press releases that uh, she fired 152 rounds into the building <clears throat> and then according to writings that they found in her car and at home this was a very calculated and planned event she even studied other mass murders and she specifically targeted the the church and the school which she was a former student of really the, the police don't believe that the victims were specifically targeted they believe that, that was that was done at random but it's just yeah. a tragic tragic thing <clears throat> yeah and i mean i I don't personally know any of the victims. I have friends that do, but um, the pastor and his wife, the pastor of that that church and school, they lost their nine-year-old daughter. Mm. And so I'm sitting here in this seat as a pastor of a church yeah. talking about starting a school, right. thinking <clears throat> I can't even fathom. I just can't fathom the pain that all of those people are walking through right now. Yeah. And, and I think that's the response that's important uh, from us as Americans, yeah. from us as our listeners, wherever you're located. But we're not necessarily seeing just that response. And I think, you know, obviously we're not in the community of Nashville. Um, 60% of our church in California is in there, is in Nashville. Now, yeah, they've all moved from <clears throat> California to They left the craziness Tennessee. of California and went to yeah. Nashville, Tennessee. But um, it just, I think probably the thing that's hard for me is the... The media response, it is humanity's response that I'm seeing. Obviously, I am not a, a news pundit for any news outlet or organization. <laughs> I am not an anthropologist. That I try not to watch the, the news. It's no, honestly depressing. Yeah, we. It, it's well, it's not just because it's depressing. It's just because it's, def, it's it's definitely skewed it on so every skewed. side, and it's <laughs> it's clickbait and it's yeah, driven so to true. get your attention and less about the facts of what's happening and. But I think the thing that's been crazy is you see like these uh, people on on both sides of the political aisle start to leverage this tragic experience for their own political agenda, and that drives me nuts. Yeah, I do understand how how crisis like this can help a political party who believes has the ideals that have, that fuel that political party. Yeah. I can understand why they would stand up against outrages, but it just seems like it's just it's so fast, it's so quick, and then yeah. the problem becomes. Not about the actual not, uh, six families and cousins and uncles and friends that yeah. lost a loved one, that lost a child. It's not about that anymore. It's about how quickly can we outlaw guns? Mm -hmm. Is the problem the LGBTQ community? How do we, the, the crazy 
uh, ultra conservative right wings are the problem. The crazy ultra liberal left wing, they're the problem. Yeah, people and, start pointing fingers. And I honestly, I, I think some of it's craziness, but I think some of it is well-intentioned people who are like, we have to solve this problem. Yeah. And they're immediately going, what is the problem? What's the solution? And we got to run at this. We've got to solve it. I think there's so much that's politically fueled. But at the same time, I think there's some people who are just like, what are we going to do to change this? And they just yeah. jump on one side or the other. Or they already were there and yeah. they listened to the narratives that fuel their own, like the narrative. I think yeah. that's a problem like with... So much today, we are so convinced in our own ways, our, our own ways, that we only listen to narratives that support that. And so then it becomes an echo chamber and it's hard to actually learn and grow in the process. Yeah, it is. I mean, if you are on social media and you um, I just if you've been on there for any amount of time, what is being fed to your feed are the things that you want to hear oh, yeah. and the things that sound like it's what you It's fueled by the like. algorithm of your clicks and your likes. And so it's and your so pauses funny. and your scrolling. It because Whoop. we we think we're just getting all of this news, but really if we're if we're right. solely there, we're living in an echo chamber of people who are just saying the same things we're saying. Totally. And so that's that's a problem. It is. But, you know, it's so interesting because I know we're going to go into talking about, you know, what really is the problem here. I know we're going to have that conversation. But I just think one of the things that I I feel like should be talked about before we move into that is just what what right now, like what right now could we be doing to show compassion for to pray for what what should we be doing it's a great question for the families that have been affected but not <clears throat> not only the families who lost a loved one but you think about every family every child that was in that school that day you think about every single teacher who was in the school that day and the amount of trauma that they're having to process like to go back to everyday life and I just think you, what you were saying is we all just jump on a bandwagon of what do we do, need to do to fix this? And I, I think it's a conversation worth having and we're going to have some of that. But I, I just think, man, Jesus says in, in Matthew, when he was teaching in the Beatitudes, he talks about blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And I just think that there's something about slowing down long enough to mourn with people who are yeah, mourning totally. and, um, and, and just show compassion because man, I just can't imagine so. Yeah, and it wasn't even 24 hours before the grieving period and the mourning period was up on a national <laughs> level, and it was 100% yeah. fueled by pundits on every side of the aisle. And I think probably what made uh, this specific shooting even more controversial, besides the fact that an individual took a rifle, a semi-automatic rifle, into a school and killed people, the individual who shot and killed uh, the children and the adults was a young woman who is transgender yeah. and was a former student there. So yeah. now you take what's already tragic and the hot button of gun violence, and then you fuel that with <clears throat> the uh, assailant being a tra being transgender. Right. And it's like now the two worlds that were already at odds are, it's like nuclear. Nuclear. I always forget yeah, how to say it. Yeah. George W. Bush said it wrong the first time. He said it wrong. He said it wrong. It's <laughs> nuclear, not nuclear. 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 And uh, he did. He jacked up the whole nation. I, and yeah. uh, that's not what we're here to talk about. No. And so I think that's the biggest challenge. And so then I think before we even talk about the response, we got to talk about what is the problem. Yeah. And I just think also you should know that uh, Megan and I are 
do not profess to be the authority on this. Right. But I th- I think I can just tell you right now, <clears throat> personally, uh, for me, I, I lean conservative. I lean that direction in how I vote. Um, I, I, I have for my entire voting life. Um, that's, I lean that way because I, for me, I believe my biblical, I won't speak for Megan, but at my biblical values align more with conservative values than they align against conservative values. There are values in the conservative party in the Republican party that I don't align with. And there are some values that I align with in the democratic party and liberal. I, I just, there are some that I do but more of my values align conservative. Right. And, and what we do every time we vote is we actually do research mm-hmm. and we study who and what their stance is to the best of our ability. Yeah. And if we don't know, then we, we, we don't vote necessarily in that, in that specific election. But we do in all elections, yeah. but maybe that one like city councilman or whatever it might be. And, and I, would, I would say I'm the same. I'm, I lean the same direction as you. So you probably in this podcast will hear um, a general sound from both of us. We don't agree on everything, but I think that there will be a lot that we do agree on that we would share. But we have friends that are on the the other side of the persuasion, and um, yeah. and we we have deep, real, meaningful conversations with them all the time because we don't want to live in an echo chamber of just yeah. our own ideas and beliefs. And so we want to be able to engage in healthy conversation. And at the end of the day, what we'll talk about on MC Unpacked at the end of the day, we're going to bring that healthy conversation back to. Uh, a biblical worldview because that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah, and I, the reason I gave that political disclaimer is because it's impossible for us to move forward without addressing some of those political issues. And that is what this podcast is for. It's an arena where we can share a little further into what we de- we feel and we think in re- with regards to life. And so you just need to know that. But the reason I say that I'm, I lean conservative, I lean towards the 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 right the republican side of the aisle is based on my values but but they i do not align wholeheartedly with a single party yeah i do not align wholeheartedly with a single i've never met a candidate where i thought oh my gosh they are everything with the exception of kanye (laughs) he was pretty close in many I'm not kidding, oh, but yeah? that's my personal yeah. opinion. Now he didn't go anywhere, obviously, but there—if you looked at his actual, all of his stances, like okay, I I can see some biblical presence. Again, still, I, I didn't vote for Kanye, and I, I I'm going, man, I don't align to with a party because I align with the kingdom of God, right? And the biblical values transcend political parties. Yeah. I don't know if you realize this, but the there are more than just two political parties that have ever existed in the time of humanity and if humanity extends for other more thousands and thousands of years there'll be more than just two political parties True. because the kingdom of god transcends that and, and so, no political party is going to be perfect because they're made no, up of humans yes. like you and me and no human I, is perfect and i know <laughs> listen you you my friends who are republican conservatives i know this is crazy for you to think this but there are going to be democrats in heaven and my democratic friends who just love the Lord. And you're thinking, what is wrong with these right wing, crazy rednecks? A lot of them are going to be in heaven too. So I'm just telling you the political party does not impact the kingdom (laughs) of God. So I need you to know that for us, for our home, we, our first foundation is the kingdom of God that drives our values and everything else fits into that bucket for us. So you, you just need to know that. First and foremost. A little background on the Robinsons. Just a wee little background. Yeah. So what were you going to talk about? Well, let's talk about what some of the major problems. Anytime there's a mass shooting, uh, 
or shooting in general. Yeah. That especially where people in, and I'm just, especially where people in privileged communities, privilege is the wrong word, affluent communities are shot or killed, the world blows up. There are shootings that happen in, all the time in impoverished neighborhoods all the time. Right. And and we don't talk about the, that gun violence the same. Mm -hmm. But every time there's a mass shooting like this, the first thing that you hear is we have got to change gun laws. Yeah. We've got to, and then everybody has a different opinion of what they think should happen. We've got to outlaw guns. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. And, yeah. And <clears throat> uh, I'm, again, I'm not here to, I'm not making my case to run for California Senate. We're not here to run for <laughs> office. No. I'm saying here's some things to think about is when has making anything illegal removed it as the problem. So just something to think about. I'm not making a case for get a gun in the hands of every American and don't tread on me and you can <laughs> peel it out of my cold, dead hands. I'm not making a case for that. I'm just saying, when has making anything illegal eliminated the problem? Take, for instance, alcohol. We made alcohol yeah. illegal in the late teens of 1900s all the way up until, <clears throat> I forget the exact year, 1920-something, 30-something, whatever, 20, yeah. 16 years, 20 years, something like that. I don't, I don't know the exact And dates. what happened? Well, they beget bootleggers emerged on the scene and people were making hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars selling alcohol illegally. But not only that, it changed the way that people consumed alcohol. Yeah. Alcohol went from being an accoutrement to life mm -hmm. to now I've got to find a speakeasy and get as drunk as I can, as fast as I can. So because I don't I gotta go to go jail. Home and, yeah. I got to get home. So it actually changed things and, and in some, some ways made things work. Is alcohol in and of itself evil? Absolutely no. not. It is what people do when they consume alcohol. Take, for instance, drugs. Yeah. The, That's what I think of when I think of this. Yeah, absolutely. Immediately. Illegal narcotics, which I'm a proponent of those being illegal. Right. But not all of them are illegal. We have created regulations around many different narcotics. Some of them we have narcotics that anyone can have as long as somebody writes a prescription, <laughs> gives you permission for those drugs. And even that can be abused, obviously. Yeah. But what happened is as we make things illegal, drug cartels emerge. We've, we've yeah. created, in a sense, a multi-billion dollar uh, economy, economic sphere, if you will, of people who are operating on illegal behavior. Am I an advocate for making cocaine legal? Absolutely <laughs> not. I'm just saying this is a response yeah. to illegality. Uh, the same thing, the same thing with with mass murders. Yeah, that it, it, making guns illegal, all that is going to do is what has already taken place, and that criminals do illegal things. Yeah, that's who does illegal things. I, I know this might be hard for some of you yeah. to hear what I'm about to say, but the young lady who went into Covenant School, Audrey Hale, she is or was an evil human being. Yeah. It's pure. That is that is pure, pure evil. evil. It's demonic. Absolutely and it is demonic. Evil, and I know that's challenging to hear, because on the other side of this, people could be saying, "Are you saying that all transgender?" No, I'm not absolutely saying. Not. Absolutely that not. Absolutely not. That one girl. She murdered <laughs> six innocent people. Yes, three children. Three children. She, she looked at and shot three little children. That is evil. It's absolutely. It cannot be argued with. 
evil. Yeah. And so you have to know that there is a common denominator amongst yeah. this illegal activity. And it, there's a common denominator amongst mass murders. There's a common denominator amongst drug cartel. There's a common denominator amongst uh, bootleggers during yeah. the prohibition. People who are evil are going to find a way to be evil. To be it, evil. They're, they're absolutely going to, no matter what the laws are. Absolutely. So. And, and, and and even when you look at the laws currently when it comes to, to guns, uh, literally the there are laws in place at a federal level and at state levels that bring regulation. Yeah. And most people want to see regulation change, but don't realize that that's already in place in almost every state in the United States yeah. and at a federal level already at work today. Yeah, I think you should explain that a little because I'm not sure like – I don't really know anything about guns. And so the moment people get fired up and they start talking about gun control, I'm listening to the conversation going, okay, I think there should be regulations, right? Like, I don't think that sure. anyone should be able to walk into a store and just purchase a gun because they want one. I There should be background checks. There should be a time frame. There should be a, a way to evaluate, I think, even mental health. I, I, don't, I don't know what the laws are, though. And so I'm going, yeah, there should be regulations. That's my immediate response. And so maybe you could tell us like what do you know what I sure, some of them just are some. because i think there are regulations yeah but I, again i just want to qualify we're not here to make a stand we're not hired by the nra the national rifle <laughs> association of america we are not uh i do own uh some uh, some rifles and a handgun uh but but there i, I mean I, I don't even know if i've discharged a, one of my firearms or handguns in like 10 years but that's irrelevant uh, but we're not here to, to make a case for for gun laws. I'm just saying the only the only viable change would be to make all guns illegal, and that begins to really enc encroach upon our civil liberties. And at what point does that become a problem for a totalitarian government, which is not what the United States of America is? And and that would be worth doing some of your own research to look at what those governments look like. Uh, they're called North Korea. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and we China. Just watched, we just watched a Netflix special yeah, about tyrants. Yeah, uh, it's becoming a tyrant. Great Netflix special. But I mean, currently you cannot get a handgun. You cannot get a gun in the United States of America without a waiting period from a, li a registered licensed gun dealer. And without a background check. And you cannot get one without a background check from a what licensed if, gun dealer. What about the assault rifle scenario? Well, assault rifles are, they are, what people mean by that is an automatic weapon and if that's what you're referring to an okay. assault rifle okay, will that's be maybe an what I mean. but that's a that's a spin by a liberal media to call it an assault rifle because the if you're talking about an automatic weapon they're illegal in the united states of america with few exceptions you in order to get them you have to pass like 16 different steps it's going to take you probably three years and several probably 20 to thirty thousand dollars in, in the, the research and the training that you have to go through is so mm. extensive, it, it actually becomes quite crazy. ridiculous and crazy. So no, none of these, the, none of the, the previous mass yeah. shootings that have happened um, by somebody that was, was not already a criminal have, been, have taken place with an actual automatic weapon. Huh. Criminals can get their hands on them. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, it's like cocaine, right? Cocaine is yes. illegal. You're not allowed to have right. it. But I mean, how many people get their hands on it because they want it? Yeah. I, it's like... Absolutely. Yeah. So, but that's the term that we use. So even if you Google some websites will say assault rifles and it says it's a loose term, but really what it means is it could be automatic or semi-automatic, but really what a lot of people are frustrated with is rifles with high capacity magazines. Okay. 
they're still semi-automatic and those are legal, but okay. they still follow the same gun laws that that is mandated federally. And in our state, you can't even have one of those, I believe. I could be wrong. Fact check it and email yeah. me at Katie at the OC. <laughs> I'm kidding. And so anyways, I'm just saying the regulations are there. Now, there are some states who have looser regulations than others, um, but you probably don't live in that state. And if you do, you probably love that law. Just throwing that out there. And so, I mean, like when you talk about regulation, they are there. So really the only viable solution would be to make them illegal. And I don't stand behind that yeah. uh, because if you make them illegal, you know what criminals are going to do? They're going to do criminal activity. So it's not going to eliminate mass shootings. It's not going to eliminate gun violence. It's just going to perpetuate illegal activity. Yeah, but you, there's there's a part of me that's like, yeah, go ahead, make it illegal for a minute, and let's just see if that eliminates the issue because we all know it's, it's not, not gonna, going to. Well, we don't all know that, but that's what we would believe and say. It's like, what in the world? <clears throat> the I, and the other question is, what about mental health issues? Yeah, because that is a rising concern. That's Absolutely. a rising challenge with the majority of. The majority of the, the the prior mass shootings, especially over the past few years, I think that it's hard to say with people who are were were who assailants who were killed in the incident. We can't necessarily say unless they were previously previously diagnosed with a mental health issue. We can't say, but I think that it would be safe. I to think it'd say, be safe to assume. It would be safe to assume that if a human being is willing to set aside the empathetic notions that I don't want to harm another individual, it'd be safe to assume they probably have some mental health issues and or they are prone towards criminal activity. Yeah, for and sure. And that's, that's a challenge. So that creates a massive, how do you help that solution? Yeah. How do you solve the problem of the fact that there are mental health issues that, all that people are dealing our, with 100% that are severe yeah that are traumatizing that are causing people or are evolving into horrible choices like this and that's a hard one yeah it is a hard one and I think that our nation specifically has a harder one with this because it requires much more responsibility on on humanity than just make guns illegal yeah just making guns illegal makes me feel like I'm doing my part, but that if you are someone that is an acquaintance or a friend of mine and you're struggling with a mental health issue, there's a there's a layer of onus on me to be a fellow human to you, yeah. or as the Bible would refer to it, a good neighbor. If you've heard the story of the, the, the Good Samaritan, the story emerged because <clears throat> Jesus was telling the Pharisees what the greatest commandment is, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. And the Pharisees did the same thing that humanity does over and over again. They go, okay, cool, we get it. That's the most important commandment. But tell us, Jesus, what is your neighbor? So they wanted to put qualifications and ramifications on this because they didn't want to take ownership right. for hum the, the people in right. their sphere of influence. And then Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, which it, it may, even if you're not in church, you probably, I know you've heard that term <laughs> and you've probably had the idea of the story, the condensed version is a Jewish man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho or vice versa and some robbers come upon him and they beat him to a pulp and they steal everything. And over the course of the next few hours, three different people pass by. The first is a Sadducee and he walks on by, sees the man and does nothing. That's a religious leader that leaned in one direction. We'll just say leaned in the left direction. 
And then the next was a Pharisee who will say leaned in the right direction. So you got a liberal Christian and you got a democratic Christian and the Pharisee liberal and conservative. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry about that. (laughs) It was not a Freudian slip. Yeah. You've got a liberal (laughs) Christian and a conservative Christian. And both of them had the same response to the fallen man who was their own people. Yeah. The same tribe, same clan. And they looked at him and they walked on by. And then a Samaritan who was hated by the Jews saw a man in desperate need of help. And he stopped. He picked him up. He cleaned his wounds. He took him to a hotel, put him in a clean bed, made sure he had food to eat and covered the wages of the the cost of the hotel and then came back to check on him. And Jesus turned to these religious leaders, these people who are so convinced of their perspective, who is my neighbor? And he said, which of these three men would you say was the best neighbor? And the answer is obvious. I mean, yeah. And I think that's the case when it comes to mental health. It takes, it puts puts responsibility on me. Yeah, it does. I think it requires us to have compassion. Um, I, I think that, I think in the past few years, our, our schools, um, I think we've been doing a better job trying to acknowledge totally. that there's a real need to um, help people who are struggling with their mental health. Um, I think we've made some advancements in providing um, counseling and therapy totally. and, and helping to identify issues early. So I, I think we're taking at least baby steps in the right direction. But I think on our on <clears throat> our part, it's having compassion for one totally. another, having grace for one another, being being enough, um, paying enough attention to other people versus ourselves. Mm. Um, I think we're also self-focused. And if you really just slow down and pay attention to the people in your world, you can pick up on things that are happening on, um, when you say in your world, you mean like your spheres of influence. So maybe it's your school or the classes you attend in high school or college or your workplace. Like Sometimes we say my world, does that mean the 330 million people <laughs> in America? Does That's it a good mean the point. 33 million people in California? No, like, I think no. I'm just talking about your sphere of influence. You got or, a street you live on or an yeah, apartment building you live in. Your neighbors, the people you do life with, the people you see every day. And, you know, I think for, for young people, something that's really important to note is, man, kids, I'm always shocked at how mean kids can actually be. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, parents, you're not off the hook because they learned that somewhere mm-hmm. and it was allowed somewhere. So that means that you as a parent have a huge responsibility in how you treat other people, how you model compassion towards other people, how you talk about the issues that are happening in this world because your kids are watching and listening and they're going and replaying your actions with their friends. So this is not just about our teenagers and our kids, parents, there's a lot that is on you. But um, I, I just think to say, teenagers that might be listening to this podcast, like you have such a responsibility to be kind and to be compassionate. And um, the, the scripture says we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, but we should love our neighbor as ourself, which means any neighbor. So the kids that you go to school with that that are kind of strange or that you don't like or you don't get along with, you don't have the right to be unkind. Um, your job is to be compassionate and to be kind. And I just think I'm watching far too And to many, be inclusive. And to be inclusive. I mean, look for the... That doesn't mean you have to be best friends with every weird person in the world. absolutely don't. But and, don't be a jerk. 
That's that's the thing. It's just don't be a jerk. Nobody has the right to treat someone unkind. And um, and I think if you're a follower of Jesus, there is a step further. There is because you if you're and and we we're not just talking to high school students. No, I mean I, I wish that students. elementary kids were listening to this. Or as well, elementary but, kids. I mean, we're talking to everybody. college students. Yeah. We're talking to grown adults who've been working in the corporate America for 25 years. You, I burped. I, I am. I, the that was so. It was too. like a, a tzatziki sauce. Oh, that's gross! Pamplemousse, like a grilled chicken Mediterranean salad combination. Gross. Thank you for the details. I feel like our dog. So, oh, <clears throat> anyways, <laughs> you. Some people lack social awareness. Yeah. So you're 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 not going to be able to see as well as others. But you probably can identify from the countenance of people that you see on a daily basis, if they're in good spirits or bad. And you probably can observe, relate, like interaction yeah. with other coworkers, with yeah. other classmates to see how others treat that individual. And you can do something about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. You don't have to become best friends with every odd or awkward individual. No. But you can be, you can extend a hand of grace and kindness. You can be kind. A little kindness. You can learn something about way. their. I know this sounds so silly and superfluous, but yet it makes it really a does. major, major impact. When I was growing up, I grew up in the ghetto, and uh, for real, Section Eight housing. I got had gang members all around. One of my most of my closest friends growing up. Uh, are either currently in prison or were in in prison for stints, long stints for grand theft auto, drug sales, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, all that to say, um, there's one kid, he was this mean punk kid. And I won't say his name, Michael <laughs> G, because I know you're probably listening. He was just, he was like a jack wagon. And he had some anger issues. And I was bigger than him, wasn't scared of him, so he never picked on me. But he'd always picked on this one kid named Casey. And one time I... I stood up for Casey and we may have gotten into a physical altercation. That's not relevant for this podcast. <clears throat> it wasn't a massive one, but uh, from that day on, Casey just kind of clung to me and he felt safe with me. Cause we played basketball every day after school. And I just remember one time him telling me, Hey, thanks for sticking up for me. And I didn't even, it didn't even click until afterwards, but I thought, man, that is what people in our world need. Yeah. Just somebody that that can see that there's something not right happening, and we just do something yeah. simple about it. It doesn't have to be crazy, but it does put. Listen, it puts ownership on us. Yeah, and that's what the world wants to do. The world wants to say everything that is bad is an oh. external force. Yeah, it is your fault. You need to fix it and change it because I am okay. And I'm just gonna be. Do you want to jump in? Because I'm about to jump off the ledge. I mean, here. go. All right. I think one of the reasons that we have some serious mental health issues is because the current culture we live in is perpetuating some seriously counter-Christian values. So when, sure. when you see someone who is struggling with gender dysphoria, that is a tragic place to be. Yeah, so hard. If you feel like you were born biologically one way and you feel like maybe you should be in a different body, I believe gender dysphoria is a very real thing. Yeah. 
Now, when we look at the research, it shows that the percentage of people who actually struggle with gender dysphoria is less than I think two. It might even at max three percent of the world's population, but I think it's closer to like one point five percent of the world's population. That's a very, it's a very small, small number. number. When you look at America, it it doesn't even actually hit i think it's like 1.5 million people yeah. maybe a little bit more or less but i believe that we have created in our current culture trans transgender has become the new cultural norm and it becomes a way that i now navigate yeah. through problems by adopting a new sense of identity and that my friends you don't have to agree with me remember our foundation is as kingdom values our foundation is based on on biblical principles, that is our foundation of truth. And I believe that that is one of the reasons that yeah, we're great. seeing this problem perpetuated because it, and our, our culture is saying, if you're struggling with your identity, be who you want to be. They're saying, if you're struggling with your identity, change it. <laughs> and it's like, hold up. Change your identity. Just yeah. follow your, let your feelings and your emotions yeah. drive you. Now, yeah. there are people who are struggling with gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is very real, but the percentage is very small and, and in comparison. And we need compassion for people who are struggling. We need compassion for all, all humanity. All humanity. It doesn't matter what yeah, your struggle is. We need compassion. But our culture is saying, you're right. Everyone else is wrong. You're right. Follow your feelings. Follow your emotions. Everyone else needs to change for you. You know what that does? That fuels mental health issues yeah. it fuels anxiety it tells me that everyone else in the world is the problem in my life i have got things figured out and that is a very scary yeah. and isolated place it to be it also puts all of the attention on me which which puts a lot of weight on my shoulders about like me trying to figure out who i am totally. what i need to do and and just the stress and anxiety that can come out of out of that because it's put in all the focus on me and i and i just think the problem here is identity has been a struggle for all of us totally. for all of you yep. like for as long as i yep. can look back identity has always been a struggle there's always there's questioning always god has always been the struggle yeah and and questioning did god really like like, did God create me like this? Yeah. I think that that's always been an issue because for years we've been teaching on self-esteem and yeah. building healthy self-esteem. But a healthy self-esteem is built in a, a understanding that our identity, like we were created on purpose with a purpose. That gives in the you image confidence. Of God. In the image of God, created on purpose with a purpose. Oh my gosh, my life has so much meaning now. But if I'm gonna teach that that you were created this way, mm, you're probably a mistake. So you can go ahead and change it now. There's no confidence in that. And so I just, that, that frustrates the heck out of me. Not only is there no confidence, what it does is it removes the absolute truth. Yeah. So it removes either, there is either absolute truth or there's not. There's, we don't get to decide that. Like for instance, you, no matter what your political persuasion is or your, whether you agree with me, us right now, you actually believe in absolute truth. And if that's not the case, then go outside and jump, but don't come back to the ground. Defeat gravity. You can't because the absolute truth is Gravity's gravity real. is real. No matter what you think, no matter what you feel, no matter what you want, we can't change the fact that gravity is at work. Are you with me? So that is established by some type of supreme law. And what we believe, you can believe in Big Bang and evolution, that's okay. We believe that God created yeah. all things. He is the architect 
of all things. He designed all things. And that means if he is the creator, then he decides what absolute truth is, not me. Even if I want to disagree, even if I want to be correct and for him to be wrong. And he created you and he calls you a masterpiece. Yeah. He considers you beautiful and a workmanship of his hands. Like now we have problems. We have yeah, issues and we'll talk about that in a moment. Okay. We'll talk about, I know you want to get ahead. You you almost jumped to the last question at the, at the top looked. of this. I know after that. Anyways, we'll move on. He created you as a masterpiece and you are considered his prize possession. Like he loves you with every ounce of who he is just as you are with all of your imperfections. He loves me with all of my imperfections. With all of your struggles, with all of your questions. With all of your with, strengths, with all with of your all, talents, yeah. with everything that you are. And that does not make the pain and the challenges of this world dissipate. We still live in a world yeah. that is imperfect. And that is challenging. But when I have the absolute truth that God created me on purpose in his image, the Bible says in Genesis 1 that God created them male and female, that becomes my absolute truth. Mm -hmm. Which means that when I'm at my darkest moment, when I'm at the scariest place, the scariest place I could possibly be, I can remember, wait, God created me. God loves me. God has a plan for me. And now I can take steps forward towards a solution. And taking steps forward may be painful. Yeah. But I have a starting point. If you remove that starting point and you insert it with your truth, it might work right now, but it won't work forever. Because there are going to be times when your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts, your circumstances change. And then your truth is going to change. And you're going to find yourself in yet another identity crisis. Yeah. And I think this is one of the biggest, I actually think that our society and our culture is perpetuating some mental health issues. Not yeah. all mental health issues. No, but some of them, I would agree with yeah. you that they are. And um so what is the problem then? <laughs> I mean, the problem is sin. Right. It's fallen humanity. Yeah. I, that's it's always been the problem. Uh, we want to point our fingers at everyone and everything, but the problem is sin is yeah. just we we live in a fallen world. And um man, I nothing's changing that other than the fact that one day we're promised, uh, we're promised an eternity in heaven. And, uh, if we've chosen to follow Jesus. And so I just think that's the hope that we're, we're aiming at. Yeah. And that's the thing to remember that the, the problem is not guns. The problem is not conservatives. The problems is it is not, uh, liberals. The problem is not the LGBTQ community. The problem is not Christianity. The problem is not Muslims. It is not a person. It is yeah. not an external thing. The problem is that at the beginning of humanity, we chose self-rule. And as a result, the dominoes fell. Humanity has fallen. We are broken and we're in need of a savior. Yeah. And uh, that is the problem. So you Same. can remove all guns from every nation on the earth and people will still get murdered. It happened in the very beginning of humanity yeah, when did. Cain killed his brother Abel. 
Why? Because humanity has fallen. We're broken and we're in need of salvation. And all of the bickering and fighting and pointing fingers and placing blame on groups of people or parties. In fact, even some of the stance that we would take in this conversation, um, we, we might be labeled as you're a bigot, you are the problem. And all of that, that is all sin because it's it's just constantly pointing the finger at someone else pointing a finger of blame it's anger it's uh it's it's evil and and it all and goes back to sin that doesn't mean people who would point at us and say we have sin in us too we do so and, and we have biases in us and we Absolutely. have imperfections in us and and we have issues because we are human and human is and that's fallen. why it's hard to just point the finger yeah. because the problem is all of us are sinners every single one of us we we all have made mistakes it's not one person one situation it's it's the problem is sin i am so fired up by the time this is released we will be i believe in the beginning of a new series at the movement church called wonder i can't yeah. remember exactly the release date of this but it no matter what, you need to check out our YouTube page. That's right. If you've missed it, if you're not in the area, if you're in the area, get your butt to church. That's right. Get there online. Because we're in a five-week series. Yeah. We're unpacking the five questions that plague all of humanity. Who am I? Why am I here? What is the problem? What is the solution? And what is the meaning of life? Whether you realize you're plagued by those questions or not is irrelevant. At some point in your life, you have, you are, or you will ask one of them. Yeah. And it fuels what you do with your life. It fuels yeah. what you believe. And we believe that there is an answer. Absolutely. We believe that God has given us an answer and it leads to our flourishing as humanity. So I can't wait. Yeah. You're going to want to tune in because it's we're really going to unpack some of this stuff and unpack how how fallen humanity has become a domino effect yeah. how it is impact it is it introduced disease it introduced famine it introduces racism it introduces war it introduces pestilence it yeah. introduces even natural disasters because of what happened in the moment we chose self-rule so we'll unpack that for you but you so you, you, you want to make sure you tune in but that yeah. that is the basis of yeah. our problems but let's take a moment and come uh, back yeah, we don't. I don't think we need to to dive there anymore. Let's actually talk. We got parents who are listening. Right. That's what we I'm got students who are listening. Junior high. If you're in elementary, we don't recommend this podcast. We're definitely Megan's on here. It's PG thirteen. Oh, it's me. If, for me, it's just G, but uh -huh. it's PG thirteen. No, but we're a PG thirteen podcast, and uh, so, but high school students, college students, um, when you look at what happened in Nashville, if it doesn't con, if you. If you are a parent or if you are a student and it doesn't elicit at least an emotion of fear, then it, it does. Yeah, I think it does it, for all of us. Or causes you to think or question. So let's just take like yeah. three to four minutes. Or even just heartbreak. I mean, I think it's it's this combination. It's both ends, right? Yeah. Like there's there's the fear side of it and there's the heartbreak, like the devastation side of it. How do I how do I cope with that kind of loss? And even when it's not, doesn't affect you necessarily personally, there's like a grieving that goes into hearing about these mass shootings. Yeah, well, let's talk about yeah. some of the, the things that we, that as a parent, yeah. we would feel or have felt in relation to, waking up the next yeah. day and sending my kids to school. Oh my gosh. Like for me, that's been such a real, a, a real issue that I've had to combat. I, 
on multiple occasions, this this instance when when this happened um, was the day we had put Avery on a plane to fly to D.C. with her eighth grade class to be across the nation from us in a city that is known for like. I mean, there's anyways, anything could happen. And so I immediately was like, oh, my gosh, like I've just sent my child into a war zone. And um, I did it for I real. Know. I know he's I appreciate laughing at your me. Candor. I'm just being honest. No, it's because good. There's somebody listening. To I know that. that there's other parents that feel the same way. Yeah. And I just I'm just trying to be honest because I battle that. Like, yes, I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. I know the word of God. But there are still those moments for me. And any time one of these things happens, I immediately am like, I cannot imagine what it would feel like to be that parent or to get that phone call from my kid that's in a classroom that's panicking or freaking out. I immediately go there like, all all of the feelings and last year what are year, those feelings that you have i think just is in, it fear it definitely fear i would a say lack of control maybe absolutely maybe vulnerability like yeah just i don't like know you, if i would have been able to put my finger on that but yes that's probably true yeah so like would it be would it be maybe just going oh my gosh if i send my child to school i'm not there to take care of them what if a shooter comes in yeah what if my kid is in the wrong classroom or the wrong hallway for the period of 12 minutes it takes the police officers to respond. Yeah, and you feel you feel things. very small real quickly. Fear is on the heels of that. Yeah. For some fear often it was it turn into it turns into anxiety. For sure. And I think there's so many parents and so many young people yeah. right now that are dealing with real anxiety because my gosh, nobody wants to open their phone and see another mass shooting. Yeah. Like we're, we're sick of it, but yet these are, these are things that have been on replay in our nation. And so I just, you know, last year when Brooklyn was graduating several days before she graduated from um, high school, she called me from school and um, I was I was here in our house and I picked up the phone and she said, mom, like there was a major threat at school. The police are here, they're, they're looking into everything, but there's been a threat of a shooter at graduation. And immediately my heart is gripped with fear, but immediately I was trying to like, stay calm so that my daughter could stay calm. And um, ultimately they- They did the practice run through for the yeah. graduation. And uh, you know the four or 500 students that were graduating were on the football field and the fire alarm oh goes Oh my off. gosh. It's like- And everyone immediately panicked. Every one of those teenagers because they, like this has been the world that they've grown up in. And so- well, These are also the kids who grew up through the middle of a pandemic. Like yeah. Their world, Gen Z, they are going to be some amazing, amazing adults, world-changing adults. If you think about what they've lived through oh, from yeah, the pandemic sure. to mass shootings on a on a national scale over and over and over again, and this fire alarm goes off, they're on the field, yeah. and it happened to be the most ill-timed fire alarm drill in right. the history of fire yeah. alarms. And then that was still two days before graduation. Yeah. And so everybody's going, what's going to happen at graduation is there is on this football field that the stadium goes up the hillside and it's just this perfect setup for disaster. Yeah. It really was. And, and we were faced with the question. <laughs> We are we going to go? It was like, do we take Brooklyn to walk for graduation? Is walking that important? Yeah. And so pause right there. Yeah, this is just good. Some of those, the, you you think through these things and you feel these things and it's real and it's challenging. So what do you do? What's the biblical response to yeah. this? Because that, at the end of the day, we got, we have, if we're following Jesus, we want a biblical response. We don't want a response that simply mirrors our culture. 
Yeah. When a biblical response, uh, to be to respond out of fear would not be biblical because right. God's not given us a spirit of fear. Right. But of power, yep. love, and a To respond mind. out of anxiety would not be a biblical response. To respond out of trying to control every dynamic would not be a biblical response. We're not in control no matter. It's yeah. just an illusion of control. Yeah. And so for us, like just candidly, we called the principal and the principal was great. He was called great. Us back. So we took some steps of action. And, and by the way, parents, I was kind to the principal because oh, yeah. in that moment, that every single parent is calling him freaking times out. Times 3,000 students. And so just just remember, the people who are in our schools, they are doing the very best that they can. And he doesn't want a mass shooting Yeah, he doesn't school. want that to happen. He He's going, oh my God, he's trying to navigate the students yeah. and the parents. So we, we did it, took a step of due diligence, called the principal, yeah. and the principal did his best to assure us, here's what we've, here's what we've followed yep. up on, here's what action's been taken. We found the student, we t- had the conversations, we think this was more like a, um, not a host, Yeah, but it doesn't like a, even necessarily threat. matter the Anyways, details. He's giving but... us all the things about that. We've hired extra security team, but we still had the question, do we do this? And we just, both of us, followed the sense of peace in our gut. God's not giving us a spirit of fear. They've taken every precautionary step. We we're gonna go forward and, yeah. and see what happens, and we did. And she walked, and nothing happened. Yeah, and it was a great experience and Absolutely. a great moment. And I think that's a choice that we make on a daily basis. We make a choice to shut down the the lies of fear. Yeah, um, it's the thing about fear is fear will like herd you into a prison and slam the door. Yeah. Um, it, it's the nature of what fear is and and you get stuck and then you feel paralyzed and like you can't move and fear perpetuates anxiety and and so I think that it's really important as a Christ follower to pause long enough and and not avoid truth not avoid reality yeah. um it's okay to pause and to grieve it's mm. okay to um it's okay to say this actually creates fear for me like I I'm this is what I'm experiencing right now. But then we have a responsibility to come in and to speak truth to those lies because the the word tells us God has not given us a spirit of fear. Which means if we're feeling fear. It's not from God. Right. But he's given us a spirit of power, love. A spirit of power. Yeah, I know. I was trying to get it right. And a sound mind. And so the sound mind part is God's given me the wisdom and the understanding to make the right decisions for the right moment. And and my job is to slow down enough and actually say, God, what is your will in this situation? And, And for us, it's been... We've gone, our kids are going to go to school yep. and we're going to trust the Lord with them. And we're going to trust that God is going to, is going to take care of every detail of their life. In totally. fact, I, in fact, we believe that God has numbered the days of our lives, totally. that he knows our future before we know it. And so we have to believe the same things for our kids. And so it's just a decision to shut down fear and to say, I'm not, I will not be afraid. Um, and, and I'm going to choose to trust the Lord. I'm going to choose to pray prayers of protection over my kids. I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to teach them what it looks like to trust in Jesus in such a way that they don't have to be like paralyzed by fear and anxiety, but they can take steps of faith because they are walking with Jesus. We taught Avery early on, um, made her memorize Joshua 1.9 because she used to really battle with a lot of fear. And Joshua 1.9 says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you 
wherever you go. And so that reminder is just something that I want to instill in my kids. I would encourage you as a parent, like, like this is the thing that you've got to remember and you've got to teach your kids to know that God is with them wherever they go, whatever situation they find themselves in. Life is not going to be perfect. There's nothing you can do to control that for your kids. But we can teach them that in the middle of whatever it is that they face, that God is with them. And that is like the, the key, I think, to equipping our kids. Totally. Yeah. But you, if you don't have that foundation of the biblical values, then you might be guilty of filling in your own version of truth. So you've got to allow the truth of God's word to be a foundation. Yeah. And it's hard. And you don't know it's difficult until it challenges your current way of life. And that's when you know where your foundation truly is is found. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes for me, I always, I like logic too. So it's, yeah. I, we're going to follow a feeling, a gut feeling of peace, but I also like logic. I mean, just the idea that, that there is a one in 1.5 million chance that your child will be a part of any type of gun violence at school, which means that there is a better odd, there are better odds that you'll be struck by lightning then your child will actually be experiencing any type of gun violence, one in 700,000. So those kind of things help me. Yeah. And, and what you said is exactly true. I can't remove my kids from pain. I cannot put them in a bubble. You remember the story of Sleeping Beauty, you know, and the, the, the wicked witch comes in on her first birthday or whatever it is and says she's cursed. And by the time she's 16, she's going to prick her finger on the spin, the needle of a spindle and, she'll die or whatever the story mm -hmm. is. And so the king and queen go and destroy all <laughs> the yeah. guns and eradicate, oh, I'm sorry, all the spindles. <laughs> yeah. And then they hide the remainder up in a tower and they take their daughter and they put her in homeschool in a basement. No, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> they take their daughter and they send her off with the fairies into the woods to, until she gets past her 16th birthday because they're going to protect her at all costs and what happens in the story. On her 16th birthday, she comes, she meanders up the tower. She sees something she's never seen before. She pricks her finger and she falls asleep. And I obviously it's a fictional tale. Obviously it's not fully accurate as an allegory to life, yeah. but there's a lot of truth to it. Yeah. So we don't want to be frivolous. We don't want to be foolish. But we man, do have a responsibility as parents to protect our kids. That's not what you're oh, saying. Oh, 100%. Great clarity. Because in another conversation, we can talk about some of the things that are going on in our schools that we do have a responsibility as parents to actually stand up and say something about. Um, to make sure we're preaching the truth in our homes yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so we do have a responsibility to protect our children, but we cannot operate out of fear or control and think that we can shelter them totally. from all, all pain. Yeah, so what do I do as we're definitely going longer tonight than yeah. I'd anticipate, but that's okay. You can stop listening at any time. So um, what do we do if I'm a student and I'm I'm in this? And like, well, how do I navigate that? Mm. How do I navigate like just going, is something about to pop off yeah. here in my classroom as I'm going to second period? Yeah, I, gosh, if you're listening and you're a student, I hate this for you yeah. because I've I've had a number of conversations with my my daughter um, specifically about the things that she thinks through when she's in school, and um and I hate it. It actually uh, makes me emotional as a parent because I'm like our kids should not have to be dealing with this, sure. but yet 
we live in a fallen world yeah. and they do. And, um, and so I'm so sorry if you are a young person that's listening and, and you're battling fear going into the classroom and, and showing up at school day in and day out. I'm, I'm sorry that that's what you're having to navigate. Um, but I would just encourage you, you, you also have to lean into the truth of God's word. Um, you have to trust that God has a good plans for your life. You have to trust that God has numbered the days of your life, that he's He's created you with purpose, that he's with you. You have to understand some basic truths of God's yeah. word, and then you cling tight to them in the moments when fear tries to creep in and become the loudest sound in your mind. Um, it's in those moments where, you, you know, and I've, and I've told my kids, these are moments where you almost, where you say out loud the word of God, because the word of God is our weapon. It's our weapon of warfare against the enemy. So when the enemy's coming at us with fear, we have to fight back and our weapon of choice is the word of God. So one scripture to memorize, this is scripture about God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And the reason I tell you to memorize that is because in a moment where fear starts to creep in or you're in a school situation and there's a drill that's happening or whatever it might be and fear is just starting to paralyze you, in that moment you can stop right there and say out loud because you're fighting the battle, God has not given me a spirit of fear. Like I am gonna choose that this is not gonna control me right now. He's not given me a spirit of fear, but of power. Like God has given me the strength love. He is with me. He loves me. He's not abandoning me and a sound mind, which means that God will give you wisdom to know how to respond to whatever scenario comes your way. God will give you wisdom to know exactly what to do. And you have to trust that because that's what the word of God says. That's great. So that would be an encouragement from me to you is you, you need a couple scriptures that you can grab hold of and that you can hold on to in those moments where fear tries to. That's great. You know, as you're talking, I just thought of four quick things. And so maybe this will help you. Maybe it's practical. Maybe you can take notes, maybe not. But while you're talking, it kind of inspired me. I'd say, number one, don't be driven by emotions. Yeah. So you feel things, but feelings are not always val- always true. They're valid, but they're not always true. And feelings should never be leaders. They were meant to be followers. So you lead your feelings. So you don't make decisions based upon how you feel. You make decisions on what, yeah. what is right. We make decisions upon what is going to help people. We make what decisions is true. on what is true. Yeah. So don't be driven by emotions. Second would be, if you're concerned, ask for help. Absolutely. If you're concerned about something you've seen, if you're concerned about something you've experienced, if you're concerned about a person in your class or a person in your school, ask for help. Yeah, say something. If you see something, say something. You'll Yeah, that's real. <laughs> no, but if you're concerned, ask for help. Not to your buddy, not to your classmates. Go to some to faculty. Someone in go to your parents. Go to a coach. Go to a youth leader. If you don't have parents that care, come talk to one of your student leaders. If you don't have a student leader that you've met, you're obviously not a student movement, call us and we'll try to help direct you in a great direction, but ask for help. Number three, and I think this is important, be an advocate for the outcast. Yeah, that's like good. Everyone can be an advocate for that one dude or that one chick who doesn't quite fit in, who sits by themselves, who seems to be the butt of every joke, who seems to kind of always, and you don't have to become best friends, but you can know them. You can notice them, know their name, find out something about them, tell them that you care about them. It may not change everything or everyone, but it may have a bigger impact than you realize. So don't let your don't be driven by emotions. If you're concerned, ask for help. Be an advocate for the outcasts, and lastly, walk courageously. Yeah, like good. be strong and courageous. Yeah, the Bible told God told Joshua, "For wherever your feet shall go, I've given you the land." So just know that the same God who is for Joshua is for you. Yeah. And whatever is ahead of you, God has things planned for you and you are strong enough for it. 
even in the gravest of grave situations, Paul said, hey, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Why did he say that? Because he knew that the moment this life is over, he is in eternity with Jesus for eternity. Yeah. So he said, no matter what comes my way, I'm ready. Yeah. That dude was stoned almost to death. Not stoned, <laughs> but like rock stone at him three different times. He was whipped and left for dead twice. He was shipwrecked twice. The dude literally was a bad mamma jamma. And part of it was his perspective to walk courageously. Yeah, absolutely. And so I want to encourage you, if you're feeling that way, don't be driven by emotions. If you're concerned, ask for help. Be an advocate for the outcast and walk courageously. Yeah. I feel like that's a good ender. That's a great ender. Why don't you pray for yeah. people who are struggling with fear? I just feel like yeah. fear is that thing. I, I agree. And the other thing I just, we were talking, when you were talking, I just feel like people are so afraid of the unknown, that they're yeah. trying so hard to control everything. And that illusion of control is actually causing more harm yeah. than good. And causing more fear. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. It's perpetuating sure. it. It's perpetuating Why don't you pray it. for that real quickly? Yeah. Dear Lord, I just... God, I thank you that you're real, that you're here. God, you've been with us in this conversation. God, you're with every individual who's tuned in at this moment. And God, you know exactly what it is that they are facing. God, you know the, you know the details of the fear that constantly replays in their own mind. God, what, whether it has anything to do with the conversations that we've been having tonight or, or it's something totally different, God, I just right now ask that you would just illuminate your truth. God, we take authority over the spirit of fear right now in the name of Jesus. For every man, woman, teenager that is listening in Jesus' name, God, we take authority over a spirit of fear. God, I ask that you would just bring in your truth. God, I thank you that that your word is foundational for us. I thank you that we can count on it. God, I thank you that, that you... You hold our future in your hands. So God, we can trust you. God, we can trust that your ways are greater than our ways, that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God, we lean into the truth of who you are. And we thank you, God, that in the midst of a fallen world, in the midst of sin, in the midst of pain, in the midst of all of the things that we walk through, God, that you are always with us, that you'll never leave us. God, your word says you will not abandon us. God, that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will be with us. God, I thank you that no matter what, every individual is facing right now, God, that you are with them. God, I thank you that you're going to fill them with strength right now to know, God, that, that you are going to carry them through whatever it is that they're facing. God, I pray that you would fill them with peace right now, peace in their heart and peace in their mind in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are going to give them just a, a sense of your presence right now. God, because we know that when you are with us, God, you are, you are strong on our behalf. You are our strength. You are our peace. You are our hope for the future. So God, we, we just lay down our plans and we forsake all control, God, because we know that ultimately you are in control and God, we trust you. So God, I just pray for every person listening right now, God, that they would just sense you leaning in close. And that they would know, God, that you are dependable. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank you for tuning in for another episode of MC Impact. Yeah. Again, we are Carrie and Megan Robinson, and we're so honored that you joined us. If you're in the area, 
South Come Orange County us. in Southern California. Come see us 9 and 11 Sunday mornings. We would love to see you yeah. and be a part of what God's doing in your life. Do all the things. Click, subscribe, That's like, right. share. You know the deal. And all some of you things. have listened and you've never actually subscribed or liked. Change that. Do it on all platforms. Do it on Spotify, MySpace, YouTube, Facebook, the whole thing. But uh, we're honored you And if you us. listen to this whole podcast, well done, everybody. We, well done, my good and faithful. No, <laughs> we're again. glad you were here. We'll see you guys next time on MC Impact.